nothing to talk about in sports this week, but the boys do an excellent job of putting a little lipstick on the pig that was this week in sports. Check it out. Have fun. SMQBs, number 28. Pop quiz, fellas. Get your Sharpies out or your uh, number two pencils, whatever you prefer, depending on your confidence level. I want you to rank what is more the most likely to happen at the top all the way to the bottom. Number one, Ben Simmons goes nine out of 10 from the free throw line in an NBA championship game to lock up a championship for a team other than Philly. That's not Number two, Bryce Harper is the MVP of the World Series, and the Philadelphia Phillies actually win a series again. Good chance. Good chance. Number three, a UFO splashes down in House's backyard pool. Or number four, number four, Carson Wentz actually plays 70% of the snaps this year. He's playing week one. He's playing week one yeah. just to fuck with the Philly fans at this point, right? That's the only reason we're hearing these stories. Isn't it true? Uh, I'm I going I with, should... uh, with E. Do so we got four none choices? Of the, none of the above, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think I might put the UFO ahead of uh, the Phillies getting the World Series. I think that's for sure. Well, Mil- Milk is attuned to the UFOs. I mean, what do you think, Milk? He doesn't. Milk is frozen. He, he sounds, like, <laughs> sounds like the UFO snatched him already. Well, that seems to be up on a invasion, invasion of the, the milk snatchers. Listen, that's how I thought things would go this week. Because I was going to name this podcast. This was episode 28, the most uneventful, boring week in sports, period. And so the fact that milk froze up right at the beginning makes a whole lot of sense because there's really just nothing. I mean, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about here. Um, we're, we'll figure it out. Here's how we're going to do this. A little different tonight. Pope doesn't know it. The hot seat is this. You got to throw out a sports story that you think is interesting, and you got to convince us that it is, in fact, interesting, because I think this is the most boring sports time of the year. So uh, who wants to go first? House, why don't you take it away? Convince us that there's something worth paying attention to in sports this week. The number one story that no one's paying attention to as we conclude the Olympics is that the USA women dominated the Olympics, absolutely dominated the Olympics. And we're really not giving that the attention that it's due. Did you guys know that 60% of the USA's 113 medals were won by women? And did you know, actually, that if the USA women were their own country, they would have finished fourth overall in the entire medal count in the Olympics. So like there are some amazing, amazing stories that came out of the Olympics that nobody's paying attention to. Like this story about Allison Felix, she is the most decorated track and field athlete in American history. Carl Lewis, no. Jesse Owens, no. Jackie Joyner Kersey, no. Allison Felix, who just competed at something like age, you know, 34, something like that. Okay. Two years ago, she was pregnant with her child and had to have an emergency C-section at 32 weeks 
and thought she would never run again. So Nike canceled her, canceled her contract, and she made it back. She qualified for this Olympics. And what happened? Nike asked her to come back and, and, you know, race and be on the Nike brand. And she said, no, thanks. And started her own shoe line and became the most decorated track and field athlete in American history. Or Molly Seidel, who ran and took bronze third place in the Olympics, running her third marathon of her entire life. How does that happen? Or the USA uh, women's volleyball team winning its first ever gold, the basketball team winning its seventh consecutive gold, the water polo team winning the third consecutive gold, a, a basically understudy on floor exercise for Simone Biles. That Lisa, I'm, I'm guessing you don't have your order in the court uh, sound Beatles, system. This is, no, this is good stuff. I'm letting it go. But, but right. so Rooster, go All ahead. Right. Jump in. Jump no, no, in. No, no, this this is not interesting to you. Rooster, you don't, you don't like this? No, I just think you're you're going over your three minutes. Not I, yet, I, but but that's okay. Let's let's hear I, it, Rooster. What I'll you sit think? down because I'm winning. I think uh, it's all right, all right. Not listen to pick up to pick up with where you left off. Shout out to the U.S. women's basketball team who pulled down another gold, beating Japan ninety to seventy five. There are women on that team, uh, Diana Taurasi and Bird, who have won their fifth gold medals for our country. Uh, Tina Charles won her third, and Sylvia Foles won her fourth gold medal. I mean, this is a, a team that's been together for many, many years. They show up every year and kick ass, so so good for them. But, you know, we've been talking about we're also USA-centric, and, you know, it used to be back in the 70s, it was all about boxing to me in the, in the Summer Olympics. You had the Sphinx Brothers, and you had... You had uh, Sugar Ray, um, Sugar Ray, and Howard Davis. You, you couldn't even find that on the TV this time around. So it really is all about track and field and gymnastics, women's gymnastics particularly. And I think actually the woman star of the Olympics was not a USA track star. It was Sifan Hassan, who runs for the Netherlands, is from Ethiopia. In the long distance events, she won gold in the ten thousand, five thousand, and one. 1,500 meter races, which is amazing. Three golds really in, in one Olympics in those kind of events that any one of those would wipe you out. So she, she may be the star of the Olympics that no one's heard of. And I will come in well under my three minutes and pass the baton to Brian or, or Patrick. Are we talking, are we staying on the Olympics here? Cause I got a couple comments overall. Um, yes, please. Yes, please. Let's hear it. A, I like where this is I going. I noticed you guys haven't brought up the the women's soccer team. Huge disappointment. Two, did, was it just me or like? Wait, wait, wait. Are we going A and B or one and two? Which is it? One and two. Let's it's go. an outline. It a and then no one, two. It's no wonder you messed up the bar exam. This is why I failed the bar A, B, two, or three. Damn it. And I always guess C. Did it feel okay. like the Olympics were different this year? I, I don't know what, it, maybe it was because I was studying for a bar exam, but. You weren't watching them. Yeah, yeah, other than that, no. Them. Bro, Nobody on, watched like, them. That's the problem. Nobody watched them. Okay. Thank you. Actually, viewership picked up in the second week. 
Okay. As, as a role, as a result of our last episode, no I doubt. think so. Is it what because is the second week like track and field? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's probably a little in the bit. gold medal rounds of like soccer and basketball, and basketball. volleyball, and all that, yeah. and baseball. I don't know. I just feel like like when was the last Summer Olympics? Rio. I feel like yeah. I was watching that constantly. Yeah. The morning shows the next day. This I, I don't. I, maybe it's because there's more stars, Phelps, and the swimmer. No, here's here's what it was. I mean, it's the time zone. It's impossible to watch it when it's happening real time. And then and then it was it was really. I, I said it last week. The app was really hard to follow. It was really yep. hard to find stuff when it was happening, where it was happening. You you heard about things happening, then they would play it again. I just think it was too hard to overcome the time zone. And I think part of the reason for that is I really think it was sort of thrown together last minute. Yep. And and NBC and and the Peacock did a terrible job of programming and letting people know when big events would be on. And they didn't have enough live uh, coverage of the big events. So you had to wait, which I always hate, even though you know what the result is. Um, I mean, I would say, remember, guys, I'm the one who called it the No Olympics. Um, I think on, uh, you know, thinking back on it, uh, it was surprising to me a little bit better than what I expected. Uh, not having fans really sucked because so many of these Olympic athletes thrive off the crowd noise and them urging them on, especially like in swimming and track and field, they're going for the Olympic record and there's excitement. I mean, he had none of that and, you know, definitely made a difference to the athletes, but they always come through the Olympic spirit and humanity house gave some great examples always comes through. Um, and I, I think, you know, I'm kind of in my virtual background behind me is Paris 2024. I I'm actually kind of excited for Paris Olympics. I think that that might be a rebirth of a modern Olympiad. Uh, oh, can I ask you ahead? a question? Can sure, I ask you Rooster. a question about the, about the uh, Olympics? And I'm serious about this. Did you watch the um, bronze medal game in basketball where your man Luca? Had oh, absolutely. Seven, I watched seven that turnovers. Yeah, I watched that. Yeah, he was also exhausted. I mean, except for that great block by Batum, they would have been in the gold medal game against the uh, against the U.S. I mean, Luca was clearly exhausted. Those, those guys went much further than anybody expected him. Um, but, you know, I think my larger point, though, is uh, – except for some of the silly X game stuff. And I really hope that, you know, that's not a trend. I do think that, that the modern you know, Olympiad in Paris, we're going to be seeing a lot more live events. I mean, it's only six hours. Uh, I, I, I look forward to that. And I, I think that's going to hopefully restart the Olympics as we know it. Hope that's my, that's my takeaway. Hope there's two things, two things for you to look forward to in 2024. One is, cause I know you really like, the old school sports in 2024, there will be men's and women's break dancing. Pogo jumping. And also, is this a cornhole is next? Come on. No, but this is kind of interesting. One of the things that has happened, money got so much into Olympics that double like, Dutch oh, jump roping. We, we promised to build these huge new stadiums. I don't know if you heard dodgeball. Paris is not building a lot of new stadiums and they're actually doing the events like outside in front of like some of the landmark events. Like, Oh, that'll be cool. That'd yeah. Be it's cool. actually going to be visually a very cool Olympics. Well, they yeah. could go, well, that, that they was, could, that was, the grounds around the palace can. Bison, are you convinced that, was, that this was interesting? 
it was so, look, you guys are excellent, talented lawyers and lawyers to be. Uh, well done, good <laughs> try. It's still boring. What? Not that. Right. Wow. Here, I have, I have an interesting. I have an next, interesting. Hang on, hang on. Before we topic. leave the Olympics, what are the odds that we'll have a live podcast from Paris in 2024? Excellent. Well, we're all gonna have tattoos. If, I'm telling nice, you, if, so, if, you know, if, if, if milk passes the bar, it's 100. percent I, I yes. might pass the bar that summer. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> all right, Rooster, you got the next try. I've Here's got, I've got an, I've got an interesting topic. The quarterback for the incoming quarterback for Clemson, DJ Uagaletti or Galelli. Galelli uh, has already signed a deal with Dr. Pepper to do commercials throughout the season next year. Starting in the fall, he is on every Dr. Pepper commercial that's going to run on major networks. What the fuck is wrong with that picture? Yeah, he's he's doing the Fansville stuff that they do every fall. He's there's a guy. There's a guy on Alabama, uh, Rooster. There's a guy on Alabama who's never set foot on the field who has a million dollar endorsement contract. No, no, Bryce Young's played, but he just hadn't been a starting quarterback. There's also there's also the guy who's a quarterback for Miami who just signed a deal to to market for the Florida Panthers hockey team, the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah. Milk, what's your take here? What's the unintended consequences of what we all probably thought was a good idea to free these guys up, but they didn't do it the right way. So what's the right way? Uh, Rooster, I agree. When I first, we used to talk about, if you go back to episode one or two, we might've actually been talking about this issue and how players needed to be paid and why it was a good thing. And these schools are taking advantage of them. I guess I didn't realize, and I, we should have, when you get money involved in everything, anything, how fast things takes off. But this thing is just like going from zero to a hundred very quickly where now you've got guys that are literally making over a million dollars a year. And by the way, with no plans for parity among the teams, that was so that was Saban, right? That was Saban. And I saw this somewhere and I'm, I'm regurgitating, but that was definitely Saban saying if that was a recruiting tactic, right? Come to Alabama and you can get it. Well, you'll get seven figure deals. Right. And that's what it's going to lead to. Like, like these guys, how distracted, I mean, how distracted are are these guys going to be? They're making seven figures. I, I can't, people like Saban can't like this. It is going to change the face of college football because it's good. I mean, there's going to be a, there's going to be a handful of powerhouse teams and then the rest of them. And that's, and that's different from what, I mean, look at the well, last four or five right. college football playoff game. Uh, yeah. But, but what's going to happen the first time we see one of these QBs throw an ill-advised, you know, pass that, that, that goes for pick six because you know the QB was worried about his photo shoot or his or his commercial take uh, during on Wednesday's walkthrough instead of being ready for the game. That's that, when these coaches are going to step in and start shutting this shit down, right? No, see that's the problem, right? Because up until now, it's it's when you go to Alabama, you are it's it's saving, right? Like you are you are there, you are listening to every word. You are you he is the teacher, the process. You are, you are the student and. I think he's going to lose a little control now and they're going to be distracted. It's just going to be completely different. I don't like where this is headed. I don't either. There used to be a day when a school like Boston college or the university of Miami felt like they had a chance to get to the championship game. And, and now that's, that's gone. Unless you're, unless you're Alabama or Clemson or 
Ohio State but, or Notre Dame. But how much? That's, guys, it, that's been gone. gone. That's been gone for the last eight or nine years. Yeah, but now years. we just—it's the nail in the yeah, coffin how, right how now. We're going the wrong stuff, direction. But how much of this is just is just putting money in these guys' pocket above board, where we all know about it, as opposed to what's been happening? Well, well you know, right. The last that's my 40 point. Years. We, could, we could have done that. We could have done that for all college Division One athletes and try to introduce some parity, and at the same time fixed this. You know, there are only four or five teams that are that have a chance issue, and we're we're you know the where the NCA sort of controlled the money, like bait, like you know the caps in professional sports. That's just not happening. Should there Let be an NL, NIL salary cap? Let me ask you this, Rooster. Do you think there's a possibility? You know, we we know that definitely in basketball. I mean, I guess they can't be one and done anymore. Maybe they have to stay two and done. Is it is there a possibility that because these kids can make money in college sports and they're not certain yet that they'll make it in pro sports, that they stay around a little bit longer? And these teams, you you they get increasingly competitive. I do agree the Boise States and the University of Central Florida's have no chance anymore right. whatsoever. And, and, it, and it's basically a be more a, extreme example. A rotation of all top twenty-five teams is just going to be a rotation of them. But could could athletes stay around longer because they make pretty good money in college? Well, you bring up a good point by bringing up basketball. And my concern is this: <clears throat> if you're Gonzaga and you're trying to now compete with the major markets for marketing dollars. Um, how are you going to keep an athlete? How are you going to get that athlete in the first place when, um, you know, a school like Kentucky or Duke who get all kinds of national te- nationally televised games, uh, Michigan, Ohio State, they're going to be able to say to these kids, look, you, it doesn't really matter who endorses you unless it, it's actually shown on national TV. You're not going to get shown on national TV at Gonzaga until March period. That's just the deal. So teams, really good teams like Gonzaga are now going to be hurt in recruiting because of this. Okay. But let's, let's, let's take it back a level though. We're talking about the extreme examples, the guys who are making a million bucks, the guys who are signing endorsement deals and and that kind of stuff. What about the smaller athlete, the lesser sport athlete who can now go out and make, you know, even if it's $15,000 to help with tuition or books or just living. I mean, even if you're on scholarship, you know, there's still an expense to going to college that puts a lot of families in a financial bind. So is it good for those kids? I mean, we're talking about the extremes on, on one end, but what about, you know, the, the volleyball star who can go out and market to the local, I don't know, you know, movie theater or something like that and can do an appearance or something like that. I mean, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? I think it's a good thing, but I think, again, it's another avenue for corruption because if you think about Title IX, there's no way the schools want the money going to the volleyball player. So they're going to be talking to the, you know, the, the boosters, right, and saying, hey, you know what? You need to give our football players and basketball players all these car dealership deals. Yes. And all that. And and. It's just going to corrupt. I mean, again, I back what Milk was saying. Back in the beginning of all this, I was like, "Look, the play—they're using the players. 
likenesses and everything else. It was the Ed O'Bannon case. They were using his likeness. He should have gotten paid for it, period. But now the the corruption is becoming apparent. It's just, it, it wasn't there, well thought out. But there there, are, there's another really serious issue here because we've actually been talking about this in you know tennis and the Olympics of late. But there's a mental health issue here because these these guys are kids. You know, there's a difference between when you get an endorsement when you're 25 years old and you don't live up to it. And when you're 18 years old, someone gives you a million dollars, you end up sucking on the field or you tear your ACL and everyone says you suck, you're terrible, and you're a kid in the head. And there are going to be, like you said, Rooster, unintended consequences. And one of them is going to be the mental health of these kids who can't handle the spotlight and the money and live up to the deals they get. Interesting yeah. topic. Well done. Good coverage. Interesting topic. Did it make this week in sports very interesting? Mm, sorry. No. Oh, no, my no, God. No, no, no. Good All right. God. All right. Who's no. up next? Ridiculous. All right. Anyone else? Can anyone else convince me? I mean, it's interesting. House. I get it. And it's a good House. discussion. Talk but... about football. That's massive national news. I mean, Come international. On. international. International. international? Yeah. international. Into Bison, if this doesn't Messi? interest you, that the, the greatest soccer player of all time, you know, whatever old timers will debate with Pele, the greatest soccer player of all time, Lionel Messi, play, playing for Barcelona, a national hero in Argentina, a national hero in Spain, Barcelona has a huge deal set up. Everybody's like, oh, Messi's resigned for Barca. That's great. They literally can't afford it. They're in such bad financial shape. They can't keep the deal they actually made for him. And basically on the day it's supposed to start, they announced the player says, I don't want to go. The team says, I don't, we don't want him to go, but we can't make this work. And it shocks everybody. It shocks every player. And by the way, you might think American sports are king, but there's no question soccer is the largest, most watched sport in the world. Messi is the biggest star in all the world. And in a blink of an eye, he's gone and left La Liga and Barcelona, and he's now in League One playing for Paris Saint-Germain for PSG, along with two superstars, Neymar and Mbappe, for a massive, massive super team. That's big news. So, House, we pay our super athletes – 35, 40 million, something like that, whatever Mahomes signed his contract for. Uh, that's what we pay our you know, highest paid athletes. How much did uh, Messi make through his 2017 contract on an annual basis? I think it was like 130 million, something crazy. 163 million, 163 yeah. million yeah. dollars. Yeah. That no is before endorsements. Trouble. Are you serious? Yes. No, no wonder the team's having financial problems. Holy shit. Right. So that so that PSG team is so stacked that neither Neymar, Mbappe, nor Messi are the team captain. I mean, they have that many talented players. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with. So what is his contract his new contract? I think it's like 41 million a year cuz you know, I mean, he's what 35? Right. Yeah, it's a 2-year contract with an option for a third. Well, well, think about that. Some... 41 million. That's Right. Like he's making more year. than Mahomey. Yeah. Was there some reason though that that I mean, clearly this guy's made enough money. He doesn't need, you know, to cash out. Is there some reason he couldn't restructure his contract to make like five million, like a measly five million a year or ten million? Is there some sort of collective bargaining agreement that prevents that? Because you know, he says he wants to stay. How badly did he really want to stay? 
Well, I, I think he offered to take half his salary, uh, but that was in violation of the league rules. House, does that sound right? Because there was some, some constraint that they had to restructure his salary based on the league financial rules. Yeah, exactly. And, and honestly, Bison, if you're the top of the game, I understand that winning is what matters. And by the way, Barca is not nearly – it was a team that really started to age. Neymar left. You know, I don't know that he wants to take, even if he could, a half or a third or a quarter to stay with that team. When you're 35 years old, this is your last contract. Really? You want to go from $100 million to $5 million a year? Go play with your buddy Neymar. Well, and you got you got uh, Sergio Aguero from uh, Man City, who's now over at Barca. So that's a little bit of a drop down. It's uh, you, the, what's really going to be affected actually here is the Champions League because, as we discussed previously on this podcast, the Champions League is a really awesome international competition of the best soccer teams from all the greatest leagues dominated by the European leagues. So, you know, whoever finishes in the top four in the English premier league and the top in the Bundesliga in Germany and same Italy, Spain, France. So now Paris Saint Germain is really, I think them and Bayern Munich are the odds on favorites and champions. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty fun to watch that play out now that, that, that Messi is on the super team. Well, I mean, you know, let's shift to the Premier League because uh, you can see on my background behind me, the biggest question I think for Premier League is if does Harry Kane transfer to uh, Man City because that's all the buzz right now. And if if he does and you pair him with Grealish, uh, they're another super team that's uh, potentially, you know, champions, champion material. So does Man City win four out of the next five championships with him or four out of the next five without him? That's the question. Well, first of all, Pope raises a great point that we've got, we're running out of days, the transfer window, which is basically the equivalent of when does a free agency window closes August 31st. So if they sign him, you know, Man City has won four out of the last six English. Four out of the last five. Four out of the last five. Yeah. yeah, I think Liverpool is only a interrupter. I think if they get, um, I thought, I thought Lester was one of them, but whatever. I, if they get Graylish and they Richmond. get Kane and they add <laughs> Richmond and they add to their, yeah, I don't, I don't, it's Man City domination for the next four or five years. They also shored up their defense. They got this guy named Ruben Diaz. Who's, who's really good. So yeah, they're stronger than they were last year when they won it. But what about what about Chelsea uh, Milk's team? Because Chelsea's coming off the Champions League, they won this year. Uh, yet you know they almost didn't make the top four in uh, the Premier League last year. So they're they're so another it, question mark. As our fans start to get to know uh, English Premier League a little bit better, and they watch Chelsea on the rise, which they should watch because of American uh, wonder kid uh, Christian Pulisic. But they added a their own superstar in the transfer window named Romelu Lukaku, uh, who was previously on Everton is now on Chelsea. That is a going to be a big, big signing for Chelsea. They, they could uh, displace Man U for second place. He's really give Man City for a run for their money. The, the, the betting people in, in Europe uh, are picking him as number one to win the golden boot. Could happen. Just to go, just to go. Yeah. 
backwards, it goes Man City, Liverpool, Man City, Man City, Chelsea, Leicester, Chelsea, Man City, United. That gets us back there a little bit. So we're a little off. A little bit, but not too bad. Pretty close. Pretty close. Bison, what for, about Liverpool? For, for Premier or Champions? Premier. 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 What about Premier. Liverpool? Bison, you're going to uh, come back after I mean, last year's? Yeah. Look, I mean, last year they had a bunch of injuries, right? I mean, I, I think uh-huh. they're, you can't you can't write them off. I mean, if they're healthy this year, then why why wouldn't they be a threat? They, to, they to still have the City? core. Yeah, they, they have, have the their, their star defender coming back, Virgil van Dijk. That's right. That's yeah, the right, biggest thing. Right, that was the right. biggest injury probably in the whole league last year was right. when he went down. Right. So, I mean, that changes that team drastically. So you can't, you can't just assume that they're not going to be incredibly competitive and, and right up there at the end of the year. Yeah. I think they're number two, but guys, we <laughs> have, we, we have a crazy controversy coming up this year. You'll see it in premier league. They've changed the rules a little bit in VAR, you know, this video assistant referee that decides handballs and stuff like that. They've tweaked the rules ever so slightly to benefit the attacking player. So if the player is coming into the box and there's a, there's a tie as to how did he get pulled down the box? The the VAR is going to give the assist to the attacking player. It's going to result in more penalty kicks, a lot more controversy. You're going to hear an explosion of argument over VAR this year. VAR, I already hate VAR. People yeah. hate VAR. It's just going to be worse. It'll be worse. So I mean, what I understand is, why don't they just make a rule that what I hate is somebody on the side of the of the box who goes down and there's no, they weren't even going to come close to getting a goal or even passing for in front of the goal and they go down and they call a penalty kick on the spot. I mean, that's ridiculous. They need to fix that too. Speaking of so, that, speaking of that, the, does anyone agree that this maybe the star of Olympic basketball is the officiating? There, there is no replay. The refs decide, hey, that was a rough foul. I'm going to call it, and you're not going to re- review it, and we're going to move on, and everyone just moves on. Okay. I mean, for fuck's sake, if you didn't just make my entire point, I mean, we finished, we're finishing up the week in sports talking about VAR and Olympic basketball officiating. I think we can close the book. How is it that Bison is in beautiful bucolic Colorado and he's like the bitchiest we've ever seen? (laughs) I'm kidding because he probably has something better to do. I think he's got a whiskey. Wow. Bison, Bison, are you you happy that the NBA is going to be outlawing the the, uh, Trey Young flops? That's that's a sports story, too. Well, yeah, I mean, that's good. I'm sure you're you're probably pretty happy about that. Uh, house, you may be a little bitter about it looking back, but um, sure, that's a, another fascinating sports story. We're, we're all we can talk about is officiating this, this week. Wouldn't, wouldn't be called in the Olympics. Yeah. All right. Um, Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Kujay with a triumphant comeback. But tonight, don't call it a comeback. Was there at least somebody worth punching in the face this week? Is it kick tell me something? At least somebody did something stupid that we can make fun All of. All right. I got a motherfucker. Whoa. Okay. Wow. All right. Yes. Wow. Late night punch. Late night punch. You guys know Omar Vasquel, who was an eleven time gold glove winner for the Cleveland Indians. Ugh. Guardians. All this. Now the Guardians. 
<laughs> he managed the Birmingham Barons uh, 2019-20 season for the White Sox Double A team. Michael Jordan's old team. Jordan. Yeah. yeah. And they had About a bat. Second, they had a second greatest player. They had a bat boy who was autistic. Was twenty five years old, probably with the, you know, the intelligence quotients and and life skills ability of a ten year old. And Omar Vizquel thought it would be cool to make this kid wash him in the shower in front of the other coaches who all who all thought it was funny, and um, exposed himself to him, and. The White Sox actually investigated it and found it to be true and fired him. But this piece of shit sexually abused a autistic boy while he was the manager of a double A baseball team and really had an outside shot of being a Hall of Famer because of his defensive skills. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with people what like that? Wrong, he, I mean, he, he, he doesn't. He needs the hood, the black hood over the head in my trunk treatment, not punchable face. Whoa. Yeah, this, I agree. I mean, are the police investigating us? Wait, hold on, Rooster. Was this two different things? The kid is now suing him. That's why it's news again. The, the, right, the, the White Sox investigated it and fired him. There were no criminal charges brought, but the kid's family is now suing him in civil court. Ugh. I mean, That's you might hard. you might make the the police department the punchable face of the way. I mean, you're right; yeah, he right. gets the black hood trunk treatment, but the police might be the punchable face for not investigating and. And oh, by the way, his wife last year did file criminal charges against him for domestic violence, yeah. and it yeah. came out oh. that she had filed, she had brought up charges against him in 2011 and 16 as well, and dropped them. Yeah. The guy's a violent piece of shit who yeah, preys on weaker people and needs seriously needs to spend some time in my basement with a hood on his head. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm with you. I'll be right wow. there with you. Is that, right is that, that, is that we got Rooster, dark? That Rooster, is a, we've talked. We've talked about what should happen to these kind of people. We won't yep. put it on a podcast, but but you, you and I are on the same page. I've, on this one. I've heard all of if, if if you're not going to get punched, you don't want to have to go to Rooster's basement. That's the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Rooster's it. basement treatment of the week. <laughs> it puts the lotion in the basket. <laughs> Man, well, that was a worthy, worthy recipient. Um, are there any other punchable face? I'm not really sure we should even go there with anybody else after that. How about any good news? Anybody have a Ted Lasso of the week? Barbecue sauce. <laughs> You know, I, I really, I was celebrating the uh, the dominance of the women in, in the U.S. Olympics, but this is my favorite story so far. Uh, Tamara Mensa Stock uh, from Katy, Texas, behind me. When y'all look at it on Facebook, the SMQBs, don't forget to like us and follow. She's the wrestler. She is the wrestler. Yeah, she's so the, cool. She's so cool. she's such a cool lady. It, so she was a track and field athlete in high school and in 10th grade, she had to quit track and field. She was, cause she was getting bullied and she had a sister that was trying out wrestling. She said, why don't you try it out? And her first attempt, she took second in the state. So she stuck with it. 
she didn't make the Rio Olympics in 2016, but knew that she could she could keep going. She comes from a story of a lot of tragedy. She lost her father, who was her biggest supporter in wrestling. After a high school match, he was driving home and got killed. She lost then her other kind of really male father figures after she lost her father were her uncle and her grandfather, who she lost both of them to cancer. So she really was supported by her mom. And she came out and she dominated in the Olympics. And I know a lot of people aren't watching women's wrestling. It's not the most watched sport. But when you dominate in the way that she did, um, and she was so patriotic and embraced the win for the United States. Well, I did not know this, but when you win uh, in the Olympics, the gold medal has a value to it from the U.S. Olympic Committee. I did not know this. So you... Uh, earned $37,500. So they asked her what she was going to do with her money. Her mom uh, has been trying to basically sell food on the side of a road on a portable grill. And so instead of keeping this money for herself and doing whatever in her life, she's buying a food truck for her mom. Hey, House, you think this story will go on long enough for me to go take a pee? (laughs) (laughs) I like when you drink on these podcasts. Down, Down in your basement. <laughs> I like that story. I like that. It's a great story, story Rooster. You story. are. No, I'm, ser- I'm serious. I'm not. Hey, a, I'm not mocking your story. I, I just think it's very sweet. Maybe you need to wear adult diapers. Going through a lot of tragedies. Won the gold is getting her mom a food truck. I, I think that's. I think that's great. That's a good you story. You actually got paid for gold medals. I didn't know it either. But what about what? Is, what are silver and bronze worth? Do you know how much is gold? No. How much? $800 for the actual metal. Yeah. The metal itself. I thought yeah, it was because they, they use like reclaimed gold from, you know, like a, a plot, like from phones and stuff like that to make all the metals so that they weren't, you know, they were trying to re- recycle that sort of thing. Yeah. I was hey, a good one. That's no. a great lasso. I mean, that, yeah, that that's, a good, that's a good story. Good I one. didn't mean to be rude. I really do have no, to but Rooster, I think you have to All pour right. some so, something out for some people. So I'm going to go take a piss. Well, well, uh, well listen, <laughs> since I, I, I want to hear from Milk first. Since Why don't you just piss right on his story? Since Milk, <laughs> that's what he did to you, <laughs> Milk. Since your kid's uh, favorite college program is Florida State, <sighs> why, don't you, why don't you talk about Bobby Bobby B? Shit's getting personal, and then I'll follow you. I have to say, as a as a uh, you know, it's funny when they when you're in the thick of it and these these guys are actually coaching against the teams teams that you love. And I'm I'm a Gator fan. You know, you think about them completely differently. And then when they retire and they get older, you have so much respect for them. And Bobby Bowden's one of those guys, not just because he was a great coach and he, for a long time, kicked the living crap out of the Gators, especially in the, in the eighties until, until Sprayer came. Um, but he was just a really good guy. Like, and you've heard that a lot of the last few days from former players, just, a uh, you know, I had a friend who played for Florida and he posted on Facebook this week, how, you know, he wanted to go to Florida state and Bowden came to his house and sat in his living room and talked about life. And, you know, he was a very religious man and, you know, he said, I felt like I, he was going to take care of me like his son. 
And that's what you've heard over and over again. And you see, Did you see Warwick Dunn talking about him? Yeah, and you, that's exactly. Unbelievable, yeah. You get from the, the players who came out of that program. I mean, not everybody's great, but Warwick Dunn, I mean, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. You know, Derek Brooks, all these guys, they're just good people. And I think that trickles down from, from Bowden. He was an unbelievable coach. He took Florida State from the depths of, of, of nothing to a massive powerhouse, you know, two national championships, 300 and something wins, huge amount. Um, in the nineties in, as a, as a Gator, it was, I mean, that's, that's my biggest memories, you know, just at, going, going to Florida, Florida state was always at the end of the year. And back then, you know, the landscape of college football was different. Florida was dominant in the sec and, Florida State was absolutely dominant in the ACC. In fact, they went several years before they even lost the game. They were so, nothing when he came in, and they were never out of the top five while he was there. Milk's kids, Milk's kids are going to be in their nineties before he finishes uh, with his honoring of Bowden here. I know. Can, I know. can you can you can you believe that it's a rough Price crowd? To give you the hook. How how rude. I love it. I love it. It's a rough crowd here tonight. By the way. <laughs> This is, oh, this is the guy who carries the hook in his back pocket. Most memorable football <laughs> game I ever went to in my life was a Florida, Florida State game, 1997. I got to get it out there. They came into Gainesville, number one in the nation. And they, at the end of the year, this is what it always was. Either Florida was one or two and Florida, or Florida State was. Gators were 10. Spurrier, actually, every single play, went, he switched out his quarterback. Literally, first down, second down, wow. third down. And uh, they came in number one, and we beat them in the last second on a bomb by Doug Johnson, of all people. And uh, uh, it was, to this day, I, I still remember it. Anyways, great, great guy, huge loss. Um, and, you know, one of the old school guards of college football, and we just talked about how it's changing. So, How old were you, like six or seven? Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was six or seven. <laughs> Cheers Here's to Bobby. Here's, Here's, the, one Here's the Bobby. One Bobby Bo. Bobby Bo. He's got one, and so help me God, you better keep it brief. All right. Listen, I've got two of them. I've got one now that Pope can jump in on. I'm going to think about one now. This is from our. This is from our era. I, I would like to remember J.R. Richard. Oh yeah. Who, who went from the during in the 70s went from unhittable to in the 90s homeless, and it's a really sad, sad story. This guy got to the pros really big time in the mid-70s. He was 6'8", a power pitcher. In 1976, he won 20 games. And every year after that, through 1979, he won 18. Um, and was, was the third. He was Randy Johnson before Randy Johnson. Yeah. He was the third player since Koufax and Ryan, who struck out more than 300 batters in back-to-back -back seasons. None other than Johnny Bench said this was the toughest pitcher he ever faced. And coming off the 79 series uh, season when he struck out 300 and something batters in the next, in, in the next um, season, early in the season, he suffered a stroke that went from his neck up to his brain. Yeah. And um, the sad thing is he had been telling the Astros for months there was something wrong and they ignored him. Um, and he's warming up for a game and just collapsed. He, he rehabbed, he tried to come back a couple of times and they just cut it, cut his ass in 1984 because it was really too dangerous. And after that, he became a victim of 
these financial scams that you hear about players who have poor representation getting involved with and was homeless. And in 1994, I remember this story coming out. He's freaking living under a bridge in Houston, six, eight monster of a man recognizable to all these other homeless people. And he's living under a bridge with them. He got zero help from his Astros teammates. He got zero help from the Astros and zero help from the uh, Players Association. Finally, a local church helped him out, got him a job. And then he became a minister for that church and now and up until his death helped out homeless people. Um, So he died this August 4th at age 71. And I would just like to raise a glass to one of the best power pitchers ever, J.R. Richard. And I hope their damn union starts to take better care of their veterans in all sports. When I, Rooster, great one, one of the craziest stats I've ever heard. 107 wins, 76 of them were complete games. Yeah. That's yep. never going to see that again. Yep. Crazy stat. Yep. No. He was a beast. All right. Good one. Good one. Anybody what about, uh, you got a hockey player you need to pour one out for, Rooster, or no? Anybody? Well, let's just, let's just raise one for yeah. Tony Esposito, who Tony. was an all-time legend goalie for the Blackhawks who died of the dreaded pancreatic cancer uh, this yeah. week. Yeah. Great guy, oh, great, great, great goalie. Good job, guys. Boring ass week in sports, but, <laughs> but way to put some some lipstick on that pig this week, fellas. Oh well done. God. That was a good podcast. I'm proud of you all. You brought your A games tonight, fellas. Get a drink, Bison. Everybody have a good. No week, thanks right, to guys? your negativity. Yeah, go hike uh, a fourteen thousand footer. Hey, Rooster, go right. take a Rooster, go take game a piss. On. Hey, All right, teams. have a good one, guys. All right, I already did. Thanks. Thanks.